0: Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. Before we get started, I do have a few reminders. First, everything in my shop is still on sale, including our pendulum collection. These pendulums are handmade by Circa 1890 and they are absolutely gorgeous and they're 50% off. You're not going to find many others of this quality, so go check them out at LilithAmberly.com. Second, Our next Jumpstart Your Magical Practice class starts on June 21st, and I cannot wait for the next group to get started. This four-week online course was designed to help you get your witchcraft practice started or re-energized. It's always hard for me, and I know it is for so many other people as well, to kind of, you know, sell ourselves or give ourselves a pat on the back, but I do want to share with you what one of the former participants of the class had to say. She said, this course was just what I needed to reestablish my witchcraft practice. Lilith covered a variety of topics with just the right level of depth and provided detailed explanations and examples along with exercises to apply the concepts in practice. Her passion and enthusiasm helped me stay engaged and motivated throughout the entire course. I would highly recommend this course to anyone looking to establish or reinvigorate their practice, signed Becky J., Thank you so much. So if you're ready to jumpstart your magical practice, go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberly.com forward slash get started. The solstice is going to be here before you know it, so don't wait. Now, today we're going to explore healing magic because of a question that came into The Witch Is In. Before I get to that one, there was also a comment that came in and it came in from Teresa. She wrote, not a question, just letting you know that your podcast has really helped me get my head on straight again. Keep on keeping on. Teresa, I want to thank you so much. I appreciate that. It makes me feel like the time that I spend doing this is worthwhile. So thank you so much for that note. The question that came in is from Susan. Susan wrote, Dear Lilith, one of my dearest friends, who is more like a sister to me, has been diagnosed with a very painful form of cancer. Even with aggressive treatment, she will likely be taken from us in two to three years. In addition to Reiki, can you recommend a ritual or spell to ease her pain? She's a loving and caring person, and I want to help her in any way I can. Thank you, Susan. So first of all, Susan, I am so sorry that your friend is experiencing this, and I am sorry that you are experiencing this as her loved one and the rest of her family and friends as well. You know, when we have someone that's diagnosed with a terminal illness like this, it's never just the person. It's also that person's support network that needs support. So make sure that everyone is also taking care of themselves. We need to make sure that the supporters have support. If you are one of those primary supporters, you might ask someone else to hold space for you during this time while you can tend to your friend. So again, please make sure you're taking care of yourself because we so often forget to do that when we're caring for someone else. So this episode is meant to give you some suggestions, Susan, for your friend's pain and is also going to be more general in discussing healing magic when the physical body can't be healed. So this is about comfort and quality of life magic. For everyone listening and who have listened to me before, I've said this before, magic is not meant to do the impossible and physical healing in the face of a terminal cancer diagnosis is no different. It's also not a substitute for the physical care and pain management that a person needs when they're going through an illness like this. So let's get one other thing out of the way just before, you know, we really get into the magic. We sometimes see people and we hear about people who are hesitant to take pain medication because of the potential for addiction. You know, a lot of attention has been brought to this issue over the past few years, and while it's absolutely true that unscrupulous prescribing of pain medications and their subsequent use by patients can and does lead to addiction, but when we have patients that have a terminal illness and they are in pain, we need to treat their pain. They need to be comfortable. There's no need for them to suffer anymore at this point. So this isn't the point in time that you worry about addiction. It's the time where you worry about comfort and you worry about peace. So with all that said, let's talk about some healing magic. Susan mentioned Reiki, and I would also suggest therapeutic touch. So therapeutic touch and Reiki are both alternative healing practices. They both involve the use of energy. There are a few differences between the two, Therapeutic touch is a technique in where you know which one person uses their hands to manipulate the energy field around the other person's body. And they're trying to promote relaxation, reduce discomfort, and aid in the healing process. Reiki, on the other hand, involves the transfer of that life force energy from the practitioner to the other person through touch or through close proximity. And both practices can be very beneficial for improving overall well-being. To perform therapeutic touch, first you want to create a calm and quiet environment, somewhere that's free from distractions. You can incorporate some of the herbs or candles that we're going to talk about into the room and create, you know, a ritual space and a ritual out of the practice. And, you know, there are people that are trained to do this, but I believe Anyone has the ability to do it if you're willing to, you know, take the time and do a little bit of practice. If you're nervous, you may want to practice on someone else first because you don't want your anxiousness to cause anxiousness in the other person. So have that other person either sit down or lie down comfortably. Have them close their eyes. Then you're going to make sure you're centering yourself. And personally, I would cleanse my hands, both physically and energetically. So wash your hands like you normally would, you know, with soap and water. And then you might use salt water to energetically cleanse them. Or, you know, burn some sage and let that smoke envelop your hands. You would then place your hands over the other person's body, starting at the head and moving down toward the feet. Now, during therapeutic touch, you're never making physical contact with the other person's body. You're working within the energy field surrounding their body. So very, very close, but not touching. So using gentle movements and visualization techniques, what you're doing is you're trying to balance that other person's energy field. You might want to pay special attention to the areas where that other person is experiencing pain. And imagine almost massaging that area, but without actually touching the skin. You know, you're breaking up that energy that's accumulated in the area. And the person may need regular sessions like this because even though, you know, they may feel more relaxed or experience less discomfort afterwards, it's not going to be something that is long lasting. It is something that's going to need to be repeated. There are some actual scientific studies that show benefit to therapeutic touch, but there are also some studies that contradict those studies. So, you know, my feeling on this is, you know, there really isn't any risk involved. So I would say, try it if the other person is agreeable and see what happens. And I would also couple this with some, you know, really strong visualization of their pain being released. Now, some of what I'm going to talk about next is going to cross over into herbalism a bit, but for the most part, I'm talking about using herbs in a magical sense, as opposed to physically treating the person. I don't know Susan's friend. I don't know what her diagnosis is. I mean, we know that she has cancer, but I don't know where. I don't know what kind of medication she's on. I don't know her medical history. So I want to be cautious here. And again, make the suggestions from a magical standpoint, not a clinical treatment standpoint. I may mention as we kind of go through this how some of these herbs might be taken physically along with the magic, but any herbal preparation that your friend or anybody else is using, especially in situations like this where you have perhaps other medications that you're taking or you have active treatment that's happening, that person's healthcare provider needs to know what you're intending to take and give their okay or at least be able to inform the person of what some of the interactions might be between what they're taking medically and what herbs they're planning to take also of note it's important you know watch for allergies when taking herbs just like any other food so the very first one that i want to talk about which is one of my favorite herbs is lavender so when we think of lavender we first and foremost think of its scent This is an herb that you might consider putting in the room with your friend as long as she can tolerate the scent. We should note that some scents will make people nauseous, particularly if they're going through chemotherapy. And that same scent may soothe another person, even if that person is going through the exact same treatment. So this is very personalized to the individual. But generally, lavender is going to calm the nervous system. So like I said, I would use this physically in the space. You could put you know, lavender bouquets in there, fill a little sachet or like a, make a little lavender pillow, put in the chair or in the bed with the person. You can also use lavender to make a mild tea. It makes a very beautiful mild tea if it's appropriate and the you know for the person to take this internally. Just know that if you're making lavender tea, it can get strong, so you don't want to steep it for too long. You might also consider using it in combination with other herbs. Milky oat tops come to mind for me. Milky oat tops are very soothing to the nervous system. They have a lot of nutritional value to them. I would avoid them if the person has any type of bowel issues but otherwise they're generally considered safe. So if appropriate, I would make an infusion with those milky oat tops. An infusion is similar to a tea but stronger. So In this case, you're going to take about a cup of the milky oat tops and put them in a pot of water with about four cups of water, then bring it to a rolling boil and remove it from the heat. Pour the whole thing in a big jar with a lid and let it steep for at least about four hours or more. You can do this, you know, right before you go to bed at night and then have it steep until the morning and that would be just fine. So right before then drinking, of course, you're going to strain it. And before you drink it, you're going to heat. A small amount back up in the pot, so however much you're going to drink, a cup or two cups, whatever. But it's just enough to heat it up. You don't want to bring it back to a boil or anything like that. So heat it, and once it's heated up, now you're going to add maybe about a half a teaspoon or so of dried lavender flowers per cup of the infusion, and maybe also some dried chamomile flowers, and then let that steep for no more than 10 minutes, or it's going to get bitter, then strain it and go ahead and you can drink it. You can sweeten it also, you know, if you need to with some honey or some stevia, something like that. It's going to be very soothing and make sure when you're creating the infusion that you're creating it with that magical intention. If the person's able to take a bath, add a few drops of lavender essential oil to the bath, you can make an herb bundle out of it for in the bath or to hang in the shower. You know, just hang it over the shower head and let the steam hit it. It's going to be very soothing, very relaxing. And this is also one of those simple things that you can do to support yourself as well. You can make a lavender spray. So for this, I would just take a small spray bottle, fill it with some fresh water, and then add maybe... You know, 10 drops or so of the lavender oil, depending of course on the size of the bottle. Just shake it up and use that spray in the room. I actually have a bottle of this right next to my bed and I spray it every night before I go to sleep. So those are some of the things that you can do with lavender. As I was talking about the bath with lavender, it also of another herb, it reminded me of ginger and how we often use ginger when people are nauseous. So ginger tea can be really great for nausea, but sometimes what we find is when someone is going through treatments like chemotherapy and they're experiencing nausea from that, sometimes they can't hold anything down. They're are medications to help with that and highly, highly suggest them because, at this point in time, people need to be able to drink. They need their nourishment. But if they're at the point that they can't hold anything down, one of the things you could do is make a ginger foot bath for them. And it does have, it's not as strong as obviously being able to drink the ginger tea, but take, you know, a pot of water. You're going to cut up your ginger, simmer it, you know, for about a good 20 minutes or so, then take it from the heat, Strain it and let it cool. We obviously, we don't want to burn anybody's feet. So let it cool down some so that it's comfortable to the touch and then have the person soak their feet in that ginger foot bath. That can be helpful for the nausea because we are able to absorb some of the chemicals from that ginger through our skin. Another magical plant ally that I might use is white birch bark. So I would peel some of the bark from a fallen tree or branch. You want to avoid peeling the bark off of a living tree, especially, you know, all the way around the circumference, the trunk. Let the bark peel, dry out really good, and then write on it what you want to release. In this case, your friend's pain or suffering. Then go ahead and burn it in a safe place to release that. If you want to look at timing for that kind of a spell, I would do this fairly close to the dark moon, like in that last quarter. So up until the moon is dark, but then not after. And just going back to lavender, I'm sorry that I'm jumping around a little bit here today. Lavender and the magical properties of it, we think of love and peace. And lavender is associated with mercury and the element of air. And that's important because we know that mercury and the element of air are both associated with communication. And communication is going to be so important, especially as this person's disease might progress, it could alter their mental state and awareness at some point. So perhaps using the lavender for it to influence communication now regarding having some of those more difficult conversations, you know, those end of life wishes and so forth, to save some of that questioning and maybe guesswork on what that person might want later on. So very, very important. Other type of spells that you could do, you could do spells that would help absorb the pain. Now, these primarily would directly involve your friend as well, so they'd have to be feeling up for it. One of the things you could do is have her take a stone and have her visualize and concentrate on the pain that she's feeling going into the stone. Then you can take that stone and get rid of it, say, like in a body of moving water, like a river, something that's going to carry it away. Another absorption of painful energy type spell you can do. It's going to be similar to the stone, but using Job's tears seeds. So they can be kept on the person's body. You can string them together, lay them over where the pain is and have the person concentrate and visualize the pain going into those seeds. And then you can go ahead and dispose of them. You can do a simple candle spell to help. So I would take either a blue candle or a white candle Perhaps dress it with oil for this magical intention, maybe something like oil made from white willow bark or other plants that have pain-relieving properties to them. You might inscribe the candle with something that symbolizes pain relief or good health like the rod of Asclepius. The rod of Asclepius is often confused with the caduceus. The caduceus has two snakes that are entwined around the rod, and the rod of Asclepius has one. And it's the rod of Asclepius that was originally used to symbolize the god of healing. And speaking of gods, make sure that you are recognizing the person's own spiritual or religious beliefs if possible. I'm sharing this primarily from a pagan perspective, When you're working a candle spell or any of these spells, these probably aren't going to be once and done things. These are spells that you're going to have to repeat routinely, you know, maybe on a certain day of the week and then making adjustments as the person's condition changes. And don't forget through all of this, you know, all of your spell work, make sure that you are using your own witch power and envisioning your friend being in peace and not having pain. If you have any, you know, kind of crafty skills like to crochet or knit, you can create a small blanket with your intentions woven into it. When my mother-in-law was really ill, she passed away from cancer several years ago. Near the end of her life, the ladies from her church created a prayer blanket for her, and they made it while they were crocheting it, they prayed the entire time, and it was a really, really beautiful gift. And Then the last thing that I want to mention before I wrap up is bringing in elemental energy. I use elemental energy a lot in my magic. If you need some foundational knowledge, go back and listen to, I believe it was episodes two and three of this podcast. You know, they were both, it was two episodes on the elements and they were very, very early on. So you're asking yourself, you know, is there an element that needs to be brought into my magic here? For example, suppose the other person is having pain that is described as a burning sensation. What elemental energy would you use to counteract that? Maybe you need to bring in some water energy. You know, fire is warm and dry. Water is cool and wet. Or perhaps that pain is dull and heavy. You know, it's very earthy. It feels very grounded. What would be opposite of that and how can you call in that element? So it's going to depend on what the person is experiencing and then you can go ahead and tailor your spell using the elemental energy specific to whatever the issues are. So I hope this episode gave you some ideas on how to incorporate your witchcraft or magical practice into the care of a loved one that's experiencing a debilitating type illness. And remember, again, the key here is that these practices are meant to work in conjunction with and supplement everything else that's going on. They're never meant to be a replacement for appropriate medical care, and in this case, pain management. So please take good care. And until next time, stay witchy, my friends. Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.